All right, let's turn to Numbers chapter 35. Numbers 35. We are going to do Numbers 35 and 36 this morning. We are going to finish out the book of Numbers. Um, This is, I believe, our 34th sermon in the book of Numbers. So we started right after Easter, and we're going to end right before Christmas. So, um, we, we made it. Numbers 35, <laughs> 35 and 36. Stan's looking forward to our next series, Leviticus. No, we're not doing <laughs> No, no, not Leviticus. We're actually going to go into the book of Luke. I cannot wait for the book of Luke. Um, it is easily one of my favorite 65, 66 books of the Bible, and, uh, no, I love, I love the book of Luke. I haven't preached through a gospel here since, like, it's been a few years so, since we did Mark. And uh, Luke is cool, too, because we get to do, we'll do some legitimate Christmas sermons. We'll do Luke chapter 1 over the next couple of weeks, and then Colin will preach Luke 2, like, on December 27th. So it's going to be super Christmassy. It's going to be great. Um, but Luke is an amazing book. Um, I do encourage you. Um, if you're not sure where to read right now in the Bible, start reading through the book of Luke. There's a ton of stuff in there. Um, and you thought this series was long, that series is going to be long. Right, so um, so if, we, if we make it out by next Christmas, that'll be, that'll be good. So, um, but looking forward to that. And looking forward to today, closing out the book of Numbers. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for this book, and we thank you that now we know it a little bit better than we did um, before Easter. We, we, we are more familiar with your word now, um, and, and then also, God, um, we, we um, are more familiar with you, with what's important to you, with the way that you have, um, you have set this world, the principles that you have set into this world, um, the way you want to be worshipped, and, um, and just how important it is that our sins get paid for. Uh, we've seen so many things. We pray that you would help us um, to, um, to remember, God, uh, some of the things that we have learned in this book, and that our lives would be changed in the ways that they need to be changed by your grace, by your spirit. We thank you for the work you do through your word. Pray that you do it again this morning. In Christ's name, amen. So we have to stop and ask ourselves often. I have to stop and ask myself often. I have to be an intentional thinker. I, I cannot drift, right? I cannot coast. So I have to stop and ask myself, what is it that I value? What's important to me? What is, what is worth protecting and fighting for? If someone, if, if, if someone was to you know, try to figure out what principles, what values guide my life? Well, would it be clear what I deeply care about? Would it be clear what I value? The book of Numbers has helped us to see in, in many different ways what we should value. And that's what we have as we're wrapping up the book as well. Um, there, there are some things that are important to God, so they should be important to us as well. God values them, we should value them. So that's what we're going to see as we close out this book. These last two chapters, we're going to see what we should value. 
Alright, starting in chapter 35, we're going to see, first thing, we must value professional ministry. And I know you're thinking, Steve, isn't that what you do, professional ministry? Yes, we should value, we must value professional ministry. What do we mean by that? Let's look at um, Numbers 35, verses 1 through 8. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Command the people of Israel to give to the Levites, these are professional ministers, right? These are people who did ministry at the tabernacle and later on at the temple, and then they did like pastoral ministry among the people. This is what they did for a living. So give to the Levites some of the inheritance of their possession as cities for them to dwell in. And you shall give to the Levites pasture lands around the cities. Um, Now, don't get in your mind, like huge cities. These cities were really, really, I mean, it would be like the size of a a very small village or something. So this is not huge cities. Um, They use the word cities for a lot of different size areas. Okay, so the the cities shall be theirs to dwell in, verse 3, and their pasture lands shall be for their cattle and for their livestock and for all their beasts. The pasture lands of the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall reach from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits all around. And you shall measure outside the city on the east side 2,000 cubits, on the south side 2,000 cubits, on the west side 2,000 cubits, and on the north side 2,000 cubits, the city being in the middle. This shall belong to them as pasture land for their cities. The cities that you give to the Levites shall be the six cities of refuge where you shall permit the manslayer to flee. Okay, so he just throws that in real quick. We're going to see what that looks like in a few verses. Uh, Just hold that thought for a second. In addition... To them, you shall give 42 cities. All the cities that you give to the Levites shall be 48 with their pasture lands. And as for the cities that you shall give from the possession of the people of Israel, from the larger tribes, you shall take many. And from the smaller tribes, you shall take few. Each in proportion to the inheritance that it inherits shall give of its cities to the Levites. All right, so what God wants here when they get into the promised land, all right, he wants Levites to be spread out through the land. He wants, he wants Levites to be like, like um, population proportionate throughout the land. If there's a lot of people, we want a few, we, you know, we want a few more Levite cities. If there's fewer people, then you, have, you don't have as many Levite cities. But he wants the Levites to be spread out through the land. He wants them everywhere. He wants to make sure that they have a place to live, that they have animals and food, that they, that they will be taken care of. Um, see, now these Levites are going to take their turns going to the tabernacle to serve, and then eventually when the temple is built, they'll take their turn going to the temple to serve. But in the meantime, they're going to be among the people. They're going to be ministering. They're going to be this constant reminder that the people are still gathered around God. If you remember at the beginning of the book of Numbers, when the, when the people are set out, they're all camping, they, they have the tabernacle right in the middle of their of their camp, right? The, the people all camp around the tabernacle. The tabernacle is right in the middle to remind everybody that we're gathered around God. If God's not with us, then this whole thing is a sham. We need the presence of God. This is what makes us who we are. We are the people of God. We are, and we are gathered around God. Well, the Levites now... There's, there's not going to be any camping anymore. The, the people are going to be setting up houses and cities and, and, and they're going to be stable. They're going to be where they are. They're going to have their land. No more traveling around the countryside. So these Levites are this constant reminder that you are the people of God. You're the people of God. We are still gathered around the presence of God. 
we still belong to God. We've been redeemed from Egypt by God. We have been, we have been brought into God's family. We are God's people. Glorify God with your lives. This is what the, the Levites were there to do. They were to be this constant reminder. And so this is a great reminder to you and me too. It's a, it's a way God has designed His people to, to function, to operate. He wants this to be a part of our lives as well. He, so this is a great this is a great reminder to me, to a professional minister. And when I say professional, I just mean I get paid to do this. That's all I mean by professional. I, it's, it's how I make a... It's what I get paid to do. This is a great reminder for, for professional ministers. We are to be among the people of God. I am to be with you in your life, reminding you on a consistent basis that, that you belong to God. You've been redeemed by God. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God with your lives. And, and so this is a great reminder to me that this is the way God has it set. God has it so that people who, all they do is ministry. That's all they're thinking. The, the Levites are just thinking tabernacle ministry. They're just, they're just thinking the ministry of God. The worship God's all they're thinking. That's what's on their mind. He wants them just among the people. This is what He wants for, for me as well. And then this is a great reminder for you, though, too. You, you as a non-professional you know, minister, you're, you're not a professional minister. You're a layperson or whatever you want to call yourself. You need to make your relationship to church an important one in your life. You need to stay connected to professional ministry as well. You need to keep in contact with your pastors. I have, I have like a... Um, I'm going to get really personal for a second, um, and I'm going to get really snippy for a second. Um, and so this is, I only do this about once a month, so we're going to, you guys are going to be good for the rest of the month, all right? So I'm just going to get really obnoxious. Here's what I never want you to do again. You ready? Never, when you, when you call me or text me or email me, don't start with, I'm sorry to be a bother. Don't start with, I know you're busy, but don't start with that. You only bother me if you talk about bothering me. <laughs> like, like, I'm getting paid. I'm getting, I receive a, a monthly paycheck to talk to you. That's a lot of what I'm being paid to do. You don't call the plumber and you say, I'm sorry to bother you, but can you come, you know, whatever, plumb. You don't drop your car off at the mechanic and say, I'm sorry, to, I'm, I know you guys are busy. I got a car here. Can you take... No, that's, that's what they do. It's what I do. You will not bother me unless you say the word bother. All right? So that's just, that was free. Also, I love you. You're not an interruption to ministry. You, you're not an interruption. I don't know how else to say it. Just believe it. All right. And that goes for Colin, too. He, he actually likes people way more than I do. So that's, it's even, it's even, that's even more true for him. All right? Just don't... You're, you're not an interruption. All right. So, let's value professional ministry. Number two, number two from this passage, we must value human life. We must value human life. Okay, so I'm going to read verses 9 through 34 here. And this is... Um, I mean, this is a, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. 
Um, and, uh, and, and if you're reading and you, did I read that right? Yep, you did. This is, this is just a, this is just, um, it would be weird to live this way, alright? But as we look at this, as we see this is the way the laws of the land operated, what you're going to see um, clearly is how precious human life is to God. You, that's, that's what we, that's the main thing we want to see from this, how precious human life is to God. Okay, so let's get into it. Verse 9 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. Okay, so I'm, my, my son Pete is at home this morning with Abby, and he wasn't listening until I said avenger and manslayer. And now he's like, whoa, hey, wait, what's that? What's going on? So, hi Pete, thanks for tuning back in. Alright, um, and the cities you give shall be your six cities of refuge. Verse 14, you shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the, pers- for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. But if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And if he struck him down with a stone tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The avenger of blood shall himself put the, the avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. And if he pushed him out of hatred or hurled something at him, lying in wait so that he died, or an enmity struck him down with his hand so that he died, then he, struck, then he who struck the blow shall be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if he pushed him suddenly without enmity, without, without, without like evil hatred in him, right, or, or hurled anything on him without lying in wait, or used a stone that could cause death, and without seeing him, dropped it out on him, so that he died, though he was not his enemy, and did not seek his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood, in accordance with these rules. And the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he has fled." And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. Yeah, Yeah, you didn't expect that, did you? But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge to which he fled, and the avenger of blood find him outside the boundaries of his city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. For he must remain in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession. And these things shall be for a statute and rule for you throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not accept, or you shall accept no ransom for the life of a murderer who is uh, guilty of death, but he shall be put to death. 
and you shall accept no ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to dwell in the land before the death of the high priest. You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land. And no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. All right, so that is a lot of information. All right, so, but let's, let's kind of try to break this law down really quickly. All right, if a man is killed, then the avenger of blood must kill the, the, the man responsible. So the avenger of blood is the, the nearest male relative. So if one of you kills me, and I don't, I don't think you should, but if you do, right, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good idea. You get mad at me, you, you, I mean, if you, if you murder me, if you, if you get mad at me, you intend to kill me, and you kill me with a stone tool, or a, a piece of iron, or a, a wooden tool, or something more modern, whatever, you kill me, then my nearest male relative here would have the right, and actually um, the responsibility, of killing you, of putting you to death. So this would be my, probably my, my brother who's a year and a half younger than me, he would just come after you and and. and end you, alright? If it's murder. And the interesting thing to me, I didn't realize this till this week, um, the interesting thing here, the avenger of blood and the, the term kinsman redeemer in Ruth are the same Hebrew word. I had no idea. It's just the, it's just the nearest blood relative who makes things right. And uh, like, So it's totally different in Ruth than it is here. Totally different application. But it's the same Hebrew word, which is crazy. Alright, so so the, the avenger of blood comes and he, and he brings vengeance, justice. But if it's an accident, if you accidentally kill me, which now, it was not an accident, but if it was, all right, if it was, if you accidentally drop something on my head and I die, then you can escape to one of these cities of refuge. Right? There are six of them. You can escape to the nearest city of refuge and then the congregation, the avenger of blood, chases you down there, and then the congregation there will decide um, if the avenger, the avenger of blood thinks, no, no, you, you really meant to kill him. It was murder. I'm going to take your life. And, the, and, and, and you say, no, 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 I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. It was an accident. The congregation decides between the manslayer and the, and the avenger of blood. They hear the testimony. There's got to be a testimony of at least two witnesses before they would convict of murder. And if it was accidental, they let him into the city of refuge. If it's not accidental, the the avenger of blood will kill him, will put him to death. And then the thing is done. If it's accidental, they let him into the city of refuge. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. If he's in the city of refuge, he cannot leave until the high priest dies. The, the, the event, even though, even though it was an accident, even though he, it was unintentional, he did not mean to kill someone. If he, he, if he kills someone accidentally, he goes to the city of refuge, he has to stay there till the high priest dies because you, the land has been polluted with blood. The land has been polluted with blood. God will not dwell in a land that is polluted. That, that, that land must be, that, that, that blood must be paid for. 
Human life, what I want to drill home here is human life is precious to God. Humans are created in the image of God. The the blood of death absolutely must be paid for. What we see... And, and there are ways in which, I mean, I am incredibly thankful for, for the, the justice system of the United States of America. I, I'm thankful for the way it operates. I'm thankful for the principles it's founded on. I'm, I'm thankful for it. But we see here an, an even greater value of life, don't we? Human life is precious to God. It's precious to God should be precious to us as well. Another way, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of ways to apply this, right? But I think probably the way most of us think, when we think about, of, of, about um, living as if the, the, the human life is precious, I think a lot of us, our minds go to abortion, to, to trying to stop abortion. Because obviously that is the, the, the primary way right now in our society where we don't value Human life. We don't see humans as created in the image of God. We have to stop and think, what, what can we do in our corner of the world to, to fight against abortion? And Of course, there's, there's voting and, and sharing things on Facebook and all of that, but then I, I want us to think also, what, are, there, are there young women and young men in our lives that we can be, we can be intentionally Mentoring that we can be intentionally teaching them. Like you don't, you, you don't sleep with each other until you commit to each other in marriage. Let's let's think. Let's stop and remember how precious life is to God. It's a, this is a wonderful thing that we were created in the image of God. Let's value that. We've got to, we have to value human life. So as we wrap up these chapters, we see God wants us to value professional ministry. He wants us to value human life. And then chapter 36, God wants us to, we must, we must value our inheritance. We must value our inheritance. Chapter 36 the heads of the father's houses of the clan, in verse 1, of the people of Gilead, the son of Maker, son of Manasseh, from the clans of the people of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the chiefs, the heads of the father's houses of the people of Israel. They said, The Lord commanded my Lord, Moses, to give the land for inheritance by lot to the people of Israel, and my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zelophehad, our brother, to his daughters." But if they are married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the people of Israel, then their inheritance will be taken away from the uh, will be taken from the inheritance of our fathers and added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. So it will be taken away from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the people of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry. And their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. So the the problem here is these daughters of Zelophehad, um, you, remember, you might remember them from a few chapters ago, they were about to settle in the promised land, but they didn't have any land because their father had died. And they had no husbands, they had no brothers, and so they were in danger of not inheriting their father's land. 
And so they went and they said to Moses, is there any way we can, we can inherit our father's land? I know that the, the law says and the customs say that, that we don't get any because we're, we're women. We don't, we don't, we're, we're single. We don't, have any, we, don't, we don't really have any claim to the, our father's land. But, but what do you think? Ask God. See what he says. And God says, the daughters of Zelophehad can have their father's land. They can inherit their father's land. But now the question comes from like the tribal leaders. They're, the, the daughters of Zeal of Vihad are, are part of the tribe of Manasseh. The leaders of Manasseh say, well, wait a second, wait a second. What if these daughters marry dudes, just some dude from some other tribe? That's not cool. Because then Manasseh land will end up in, you know, whatever. Some dude, some other tribe. That's not great. What are we going to do about this? We're going to, our, 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 we'll lose our inheritance. Our, our inheritance will go from our tribe to a different tribe. What do we do? Verse 5. And Moses commanded the people of Israel, according to the word of the Lord, saying, the tribe of the people of Joseph is right. That's Manasseh. The, the, the Manasseh leaders, they're right. This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad. Let them marry whom they think best. Big asterisk here, though. Only they shall marry within the clan of the tribe of their father. So you can marry anybody in that clan. All right. So <laughs> take your pick from those 14 guys. All right. Um, the, any, within the clan of the tribe of their father, the inheritance of the people of Israel shall not be transferred from one tribe to another. For every one of the people of Israel shall hold on to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. And every daughter who possesses an inheritance in any tribe of the people of Israel shall be wife to one of the clan of the tribe of her, of her father. So that every one of the people of Israel may pos- possess the inheritance of his fathers. So no inheritance shall be transferred from one tribe to another. For each of the tribes of the people of Israel shall hold on to its own inheritance. The daughters of Zelophehad did as the Lord commanded Moses. For Malah, Terzah, Hagla, Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zelophehad, were married to sons of their father's brothers. They were married into the clans of the people of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's clan. These are the commandments and the rules the Lord commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, at Jericho. And believe it or not, that's how the book of Numbers ends. All right. What is God, what is God saying to us at the very end? Now, there's a lot of things we could, we could talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on here. But, but, but what we need to see is how, is how much God values inheritance. How much God wants the inheritance to stay in the family. He wants to stay in the tribe. He wants Grandpa Joe to hand down the land to, to his son Mike. And he wants Mike to hand it down to Sammy and so on. And he wants each generation to look out over the land that God has given their family. And remember, God gave us this. This is an inheritance. Inheritance is a very important word in this chapter. And we saw that. And you know what you do to earn an inheritance? Nothing. You get it because you're in the family. Can't earn an inheritance. You get it because you're in the family. This is what God is saying to his people by calling this land an inheritance. He's saying, I have redeemed you. I've brought you into my family. And this is my grace to you. You're with me. 
You're in the land that I'm giving you. You are my family. This is your inheritance. And he wants those people to, to walk out. This is what made, if you go into the, like the, the story of Elisha, and, and this, this is what made that, that sin when, the, when King Ahab took the land of Naboth. This is what made it such a terrible sin, terrible crime. This is why in, in Micah, Micah rails against these people who are taking the land away from other people. It's, because, it's, a, it's a theological thing. It's saying the glory of God, the grace of God, the inheritance of God doesn't matter. We, we look out at the land and we say, this is God's grace to us. God has redeemed us. God has kept His promises. We must value our inheritance. And that goes for us, for, for you and I as well. He wants us to remember that all of this grace upon grace that we have is because of Jesus. It's because of the adoption that we have as, as sons and daughters. God has been faithful to His people for generations. And He will be faithful to the end. What I have in Christ is an inheritance. I, I didn't earn it. I didn't earn it. I got it for being born again. I, did, I got it because the fullness of time came. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might have redo- adoption as sons. We must value our inheritance. And then finally, we must value atonement. Alright, I'm going to look at... Yeah, so our business meeting is theoretically going to start in 12 minutes. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. That's it's pretty fluid time. That's a... Yeah, or so. We, we must value atonement. That last thing right here. Look at chapter 35, verses 30-34 through 34 one more time. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. No person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Moreover, you shall not... You accept, you, listen to this. You shall accept no ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death, but he shall be put to death. And you shall accept no ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may, dwell to, to, that he may return to dwell in the land before the death of the high priest. One death equals another death. Even if it's an accidental death, you have to wait for the death of the high priest. You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the, for the land, for the, for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. You shall not defile the land in which you live, in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. Blood must be paid. Blood must be paid. And you can't, you can't, you can't, Pay for it with money. You can't pay for it with money. There's no ransom money that you can pay. Not even for accidental death. Blood must be paid. And in the end, all sins are against God. And, and if you murder someone, you must pay with your life. If I murder someone, then I must pay with my life. And here's the thing we have. The way God understands sin, the way God judges sin, the way God thinks about things, We have all murdered. Jesus says in Matthew 5, you have heard 
that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. I don't think any of us want to, I don't think any of us want to be part of that trial. No one, none of us want to stand before that. We don't, want to, we don't want to find out if we're guilty. I think we all know. We are guilty before God. We have polluted the land. We cannot be allowed to dwell with God. And the only way to atone for this, the only way to pay for this is through blood. It's through death. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. The book of Numbers has been just full of these, of these verses and these chapters and these themes and these times where, where we are just pointing forward to Jesus Christ. And we have another one here. This high priest in this city of refuge, he, he has to die before the manslayer can go free, before the manslayer can go back to his land, before the manslayer can go back to his family. He is, he is there in that city of refuge, and he is there until the high priest dies. Just a small, broken picture of our high priest who died so that we can go free. Jesus Christ on the cross died so that all of our sin would be paid for. I hope you believe this good news. I hope you believe this good news. If you haven't, please, please talk to me about it. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's see what kind of questions you have, what kind of clarification you need. Let's talk about it. The, the, the Bible from Genesis through Numbers all the way up is, is the story of Jesus Christ being our the, the atonement, the payment that we need. He is the offering that we need. Dozens of different ways the book of Numbers has reminded us we need atonement. We need our sins paid for. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. And in all of His grace upon grace upon grace, Jesus Christ says to us, I am that Savior. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the, the, the blessings that we... the, the, the encouragements, um, the, the truth, sometimes hard truth, that we read and heard and thought about in the book of Numbers. We thank You, God, for the constant reminders in this book. We need Jesus. And we thank you even more than, than the reminders that we need Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. You sent your son to be born of a woman, born under the law to redeem us who were under the law. We, we cannot stand. We, who, who can stand? Who can stand? My sinful anger, my, my record of sinful anger condemns me. I cannot stand. I need, I need Jesus. I need my sins atoned for, paid for. I am thankful for Jesus. And I, and I pray, like Colin prayed when he was opening, if, 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 if there's somebody here who's never believed the gospel, I pray, God, that they would do it right now. Open their hearts. We thank you for our inheritance. 
we thank you that even though we are, we are poor and needy, Jesus has come to us and said, I am, I am that Savior that you, that you need. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. scripture comes from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We are dismissed.